Welcome to On The Block with Richard Stone. Richard is a 40-something construction company owner based in the UK. His passions are technology, business automation, customer experience, and helping other small business owners using his own valuable life and business experience. This podcast will be a mixture of solo spots, casual conversation, as well as inspirational key people of influence from their respective fields. Make yourself comfortable and enjoy listening. Here is your host, Richard Stone. Good morning and welcome to Julie Hogbin, Conscious Leadership. A very, very, very knowledgeable lady who I'm fortunate enough to be in a mentoring group with um, in the UK. So welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for inviting me, Richard. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. It's always good. So we've got a few questions, kind of a little bit get to know Julie questions to start with, um, and then we'll sort of move on to the uh, the main bits that we wanted to talk about today. So right, let's jump straight in. So what did you want to be as a child? What was the job you wanted to do? Okay, so the first thing I can remember wanting to be as a child was an air hostess. Oh, cool. Um, and so I'm slightly older than a few people. And this was probably at the time when not everybody flew. And to be an air hostess, you actually had to be able to speak five languages. Wow, five languages. Yeah. And I told my headmistress, who said, <laughs> talk about smash a dream out of somebody's head. Why do you want to clear up other people's sick? Wow. <laughs> Blimey. So I never achieved that one. Blimey, <laughs> like, yeah, that's, I think education's probably moved on a little bit, although careers, careers so. advice is, is one of my pet hates. I hate the subject. It really, really <laughs> drives me insane, the, the poor quality careers advice kids get these days. So moving on to the next one, then. Favourite famous person? God, this is a difficult one. Um, I don't know that I have favourites as such. I think people I admire are people like um, Nelson Mandela. And I actually went into his last prison cell last year oh, wow. um, and, and the hairs on my arms stood up. The, yeah, the, the place was palpable. Mm. Um, I admire people who stand up against something and create a difference. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure I've got a favourite. Mm as such yeah no it's good really good answer that is that's a really powerful powerful physical thing isn't it when you get that kind of reaction to something it was it was incredible, <clears throat> incredible. right okay three things from your bucket list what are three right. top three things that you'd like to do top three things i don't know whether again don't know whether they're the top three things but to um visit the galapagos islands before they sink because i want to see those massive lizards and yeah, tortoises and, and yeah yeah, just the nature that is nowhere else in the world. Um, I'd like to go up and see Machu Picchu. I'm a bit of a traveller. I like travelling. Um, and I'd like to go into the centre of Mexico to see the pyramids that, if you like, not the pyramids, the you know, the ancient Mayan um, yeah. way of being that's not quite on the um, everybody's list to get yeah. to. Um, and I've just thought of them. I'm sure there's a lot more, but there's three. Okay. <clears throat> certainly three really good really really good things to do certainly three things for room 101 what are three things that you really like to see the back of so the top one i'd like to see in 101 is business coaches who don't run their own business they should all be binned <laughs> um what else do i want to see in 101 <clears throat> i think um, passion was in that first one wasn't it yes that could fill all three <coughs> slots, actually, probably. Yeah. Um, I know. I know another one. Um, I'd like to see in room 101. Um, this is going to be a bit of a ramble, probably. I'd, I'd like to see in room 101 people absolutely, totally having believing um, that they need to have qualifications, university degrees to actually get on in life. <laughs> Love that because I, have, yeah. I haven't got a degree, and do you know no, it's really I. funny because I've just filled in my forms to become CIOB, Chartered Institute of Builders, and that was yeah. one of my things. It's a massive thing for me that like, I never went to uni. Um, I really, really felt that I wasn't worthy of my career and all sorts Ooh. of stuff. So, yeah, I, no, yeah, it's just not true. It's mm. just not true. And I know we're uh, going through 
you know, I mean, when the, the period of time this is being recorded in, but um, just, I think it was Virgin and I think it was, was it Am Am Virgin and Amazon? So two huge companies are now recruiting people for what would have been degree um, positions. And then they're recruiting people that don't have, don't have a degree yeah. anymore. Yeah. Things are changing and that Massively. debt that gets saddled and then potentially never gets paid back. Yeah. Um, you just don't need it. It's the belief in yourself. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to put that belief system in 101. Okay, cool. So <clears throat> if you could have dinner with a famous person or a person that's achieved good things, um, who would that person be? Where would you go and what would you eat? Um, can I choose a dead person? You choose whoever you want, yeah. Do you know who I would but, love to have had dinner with was Oliver Reed. Wow, okay. <laughs> Liquid dinner? Yeah, very. <laughs> with, with steak and chips and peppercorn sauce. Cool. Sounds good. <clears throat> okay. Favourite holiday destination? I was thinking about this the other day, actually. Um, my favourite holiday, I think, of um, the travelling that I've done was when I went to Borneo and saw the orangutans in their natural habitat. Oh, wow. I can imagine. That, that is something very, very special. Very special. To hear them coming in through the trees, mm. like crashing. Um, yeah, because they're not exactly quiet, aren't they? they no, they're they don't not. creep up on you. They're no, pretty, pretty loud. And they are such, oh, I don't know, endearing creatures. And, you know, the, the, the forests are being decimated where they live. I, I think that was my, and, and, and it was a bit of a tour, so we saw other stuff as well. But that was my favourite, I think. Okay, cool. What makes you proud? Well, that's probably the one I'm going to struggle with most. Um, what makes me proud? Okay, what makes me proud is if I do a, a coaching session with someone or a training session with someone or talk to someone and I see or they tell me that one thing I've said or a question I've asked has created like a, a reframe or a, a different thought process, that makes me proud. Now, I'm not saying that makes me proud for me. I'm saying that makes me proud for, I, don't, I suppose, the their ability to mm -hmm. think differently if that yeah. makes sense so what makes me proud is people doing things that they perhaps wouldn't have normally thought of doing but okay. give it a go yeah no it's good that's a really good one and i think that's quite insightful about the type of person you are as well yeah thank you <clears throat> so lastly before we move on to our sort of more um deeper discussion points yep. what makes you grateful and why do you know i i write every morning um, I answer eight questions that one of my mentors gave me a couple of years ago. And the very first question on that is what am I grateful for? It's the first thing and I do it. I do it most mornings, not every morning, but most mornings. And if I read back over that about being grateful, a it's for life itself and the joy that it brings, because I do think life needs to be joyful, you know, depending on what you believe we're given one. Yeah only one i mean no and i know other people think we get more than one mm -hmm. but you know this is the life yeah. we're inhabiting now so a it's for life itself and um how fortunate we are to have that um i'm quite often and a lot of times really grateful for bird song actually i'm i'm a bit of a i like the wildlife and stuff. yeah i am grateful for bird song i am grateful for blue skies in fact sky of any color because that means i can see it means i've woken up um <laughs> And just grateful for the ability to think and to choose and to know stuff and to be able to you know, get out of bed and put clothes on. Yeah. Um, you know, and to go out and get in the car and drive and you know, so many people can't do that. They can't, and it's really that holds your point about actually being able to get out of bed. It's quite poignant because right now, I mean, obviously we're in the middle of COVID nineteen. TV advertising yes. seems to have changed quite a lot, as well as programming, um, and there are an awful lot of um, adverts right now about arthritis, yes, and about the, the, the yes. debilitating effects that that can have. So I think that's a, a really, really good point, and and a lot of the things that you are grateful for are kind of the basic things like actually, well, do you know what? I've woken up this morning, the sky's blue, the birds are singing. I mean, I'm really fortunate where I live. We get to like hear the birds every morning. Yeah. Um, 
and I love it. And the fact, I mean, I'm a big, big, big fan of like, or not a fan, but a big person who thinks an awful lot about mental health and the power of yes. blue sky over gray sky yeah. for me is phenomenal and can yes. massively change your mindset. So to, to wake up and there's a, like a blue sky and yeah, that's, that's really powerful. Some really good, really good answers, really good choices there. <clears throat> and the ability to be able to choose. You know, we should never underestimate that. There's a lot of people in this world that don't have the ability to choose for lots of reasons, whether they're trapped in jobs that they don't enjoy, which I personally, I love what I do and I can't think of anything yeah. worse than to, to be trapped in a job you don't enjoy. Um, but I mean, I mean, I mean, we started the top of this conversation. We're in lockdown right now. But actually, how much different is life really? Um, for you, not, not terribly. For me, a little bit, but, but not as much as some people think. Um, yeah. but but I would like to sort of just sort of take my hat off to the people that that are trapped in at home where they're in domestic situations that are not good and there is abuse yeah. and they can't yeah. escape it and work was there or being able to get out was their escape yeah. um, and I think they're, they're the almost the unforgotten people right now that yeah. actually aren't able to access help as easily as they would have been previously. So the ability to have choice, I think it should never ever be underestimated. No, I, I totally agree. And I read an article, uh, one of my, well, my best friend is, um, was a chief exec of a women's aid project. Oh, wow. Okay. And the, so I, I know a fair amount about it. Not that she ever disclosed anything she shouldn't, but um, you know, she's gets, she's given me stats and I was talking mm. to her the other day and the domestic um, abuse, you know, men and women, because it you yeah, know, happens to both. Yeah, it certainly does. The, yeah. yeah, the um, recordings of the um, stats, I mean, they're horrendous how much mm. they've gone up. And I think, I don't know how, I didn't ask her what they were, but it was, the percentages were horrendous. And I don't know how they're recording them. I'm, I'm assuming it's through people phoning, you know, the, the sort of the national mm. helpline. Telephone type. referrals, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, they've gone up incredibly incredibly yeah I, I, I can't imagine yeah i dread i dread to think i did some work with a lady for um when i worked in the, my previous uh, business um we did a lot of social housing work um and social housing providers are ever more increasingly on their agenda um yeah. because we were out delivering repairs 24 7 we could um do like early signposting so if there were any obvious issues oh, okay. that we could signpost then we would we would do that um, for a very, very discreet referral mechanism, um, which has, oh, has since good. now been developed and moved on. Um, and I've actually done some work with a couple of people in, in the sort of the domestic abuse and the ASB world because they're, they're inextricably linked. Um, so, yeah, it's um, a challenging time for people, certainly. Yes. I've, I've yeah. got an interview in a couple of weeks with a guy who does um, cognitive behavioural therapy. Um, yeah. And he does stuff up in the Midlands. Um, and I had a call with him last week and we were chatting about uh, mental health and anxiety and the amount where they're at in terms of referrals right now. Um, and I was absolutely staggered to hear that their referrals are down 80%. Down? Down. Do you know what? This is, this is really, I mean, you, we are, you know, we know each other through being yeah. in the same um, mastermind, one of the, one of the mastermind programs that we're yeah. probably both in somewhere. Mm. But um, I've noticed that people are, and it's the change process. I know you've got some questions you want to ask mm. me, but one of the things that when we go in through the change process and for anybody who wants to see it, I've done a post on LinkedIn. So, you know, find it, it's there with a recording. Um, what happens when we go through change and conflict, which I'm going to do another one on, um, we hunker down. Mm. And if we're in a, a, a certain part of change, we do less of things. We stop doing things. Um, so if the mental health and the um, the other thing that you said that I've now forgotten have Anxiety. gone down, mm. it's because potentially, potentially, people are in that hunkering down stage of change that's really interesting actually and I'll, I'll pick that up when i have that conversation with them because they're really struggling to to explain actually kind of not not where's their business gone um because they're not worried about it from yeah. that point of view they're just really worried that actually potentially there's a lot of people out there right now that aren't actually brave enough to access help 
Yeah, well, I'll tell you the other thing as well, and this is a conflict sequence. Um, when we're first in conflict, we can look at um, the problem, the other person, and ourselves. So there's three, three sort of prongs to conflict generally. Um, so right at the beginning, we can look at the three things. When we go like get deeper into conflict, we look at the problem and ourself. So not the other person. Mm -hmm. And when we get down to the, like the last stage of conflict, the only person we'll be concerned with is ourself. Okay. That's so, really interesting actually. Yeah. Yeah. And potentially what happens when we only look at ourselves, we don't access external support because it is too painful. Oh. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of research and theory done all, on all of this. And what I'm seeing, because we are in, and as much as the words being bandied about, completely unprecedented times, I am, one of the things I do on the answer of those eight questions is, um, my last thing is to <clears throat> connect the dots and create the links for me and others to build and maintain health, wealth and happiness. So my head is like a huge, great big filing cabinet and for those of you that have watched um, Bruce Almighty, do you remember that thing where Jim Carrey gets pushed across the office on the, that's my head. <laughs> it's bizarre, but that's my head. So what I'm doing, I don't do it, con it just, it's just what I do. Happens, yeah. I'm, I'm pulling files out of all my folders in my head and I'm connecting the two or three or four or whatever it is. And I'm seeing it. And because of how my head works, I'm connecting the dots and creating the links and all of this like conflict, managing change, leadership management, whatever you want to call it, um, individual personal development, self-awareness. I'm seeing it happening. If you looked at social media over the last weekend, it has been quiet. It has been massive. We've started that. We've talked about that earlier. It's so, yeah. so scarily quiet. Yeah. It's so if you think about what does that mean does that mean that the people who normally work seven days a week have now actually taken a weekend off does it mean that they've gone further into conflict do they feel like they've now got nothing to share have they actually spent time with their family although they've spent the last five days with them what what's what's actually happening because social media was really really quiet over the weekend yeah it's i think over the it's definitely been sort of petering out over the whole over the whole lockdown period. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know just from my own point of view. I mean, I I haven't done a vlog for probably three weeks now. I think. Yeah. And so what's so what's changed? So what's changed? Cool. This is well. I, I, this is real honesty for me. I need to put hand cream on and everything. I'm getting stressed now. <laughs> so what's changed? Um, I'll be, um, you know what, when I set out to do this podcast, I said I'll always be honest and answer any questions, so I will do it honestly. Oh. I, I haven't been in the right headspace. No, exactly. I have really, I've been using every ounce of my energy to stay positive, yeah. um, to make sure that I'm checking in with other people, so yeah. checking in with staff that are furloughed, um, checking yeah. in with clients. Um, because yep. they're they're working in different situations, um, you know. A lot of those, a lot of the people we work with tend to be out and about quite a lot, either surveyors or block or property managers. They're all like at home. The ones that aren't furloughed that are still working are working in very different circumstances. So I'm trying to reach out to them, make sure that they're okay. And I find that I've got nothing left. I'm absolutely drained, yeah. um, and I'm also acutely aware that people don't really want to see people marketing their businesses necessarily. Now I, I run a business. I still need to be trading at the end of it. <clears throat> we, we will still be trading at the end of it um, because I'm choosing to approach it positively. What I'm not doing is ramming that down people's throats um, by posting constantly when I have, don't feel like I have anything of value to add to the conversation. Now, the post that I am doing, I have, I'm fortunate, there's an artist that I know, um, his artwork really quite often is quite poignant, quite fits with how I feel. So I will share that that artwork and I will just reach out to people and say, look, we are still in business, we're still going. Um, this is where we're at. I'm just not doing it as often because I'm using my energy to do other stuff. Yeah. 
and it's that's what, the honest truth there you go well yeah and it's what a lot of people are doing and i i mean i know all the theory behind all this and i know how it affects us um and, you know and me because mm. everybody whether it's a chosen change or an imposed change goes through the whole same process yeah. so i know it's mm. affected me i mean i was quieter over the weekend i was doing other stuff mm. but what how was i influenced by what other people are doing and i think both you and i have got a lot of things we can share that even in this lockdown period can help other people and it's not it's not selling our business it's yeah. it's marketing our business but but marketing it marketing it in a way that helps other people so they can learn from you from me yeah. from whoever they're listening to i mean i've just come off a webinar with a um, a social a global social entrepreneur and I'm blown away by some of the figures that, that he's announced because he's pulled the global figures together. Mm. Now, how does that affect me? I have no idea at the moment. Um, and all I can do at the minute is carry on doing what I've always yeah. done um, with a sort of a, a, um, an agile mind about how, how can what I know help other people, even if it's just a, a, a sort of a reframe on a thought process, to allow them to see what's going on i don't know slightly differently for themselves yeah you know it, it's mm. it's it's tough for all of us and some people and i know this is what we're going to sort of get on to talking about you know we have to step up and lead whether we want to or not we've got to yeah we've got to we've got a choice we've got to yeah, exactly it's you know we need leaders and they're just they yeah. don't see they don't seem to be i mean construction just seems to be sort of like a vacuum where there are none at all, it's, it's actually quite scary, doesn't it? You know, people are just not making decisions. Well, yeah. I've got, I got pilloried for being the first main contractor to shut our sites when I did it four, nearly, four, nearly five weeks ago now. No one else was doing it. And I was like, I'm sorry, I cannot risk people's safety. We cannot write rounds yeah. that make mean that we can keep two metres apart. So we're going to shut our jobs. They're not emergency works. It's not going to, you know, it's not life and death. This is what we need to do. And I think what you said about keeping an agile mind. Yeah. The two things that I would say, one is keeping an agile mind. And the other one is just being conscious of what your filter looks like. So not yeah. watching every single bit of news, not, you know, I mean, the, the, the daily briefings that were done by Boris, that are done by government, whoever it is on the stand that day are valuable. There's some good information in them. But you don't even need to tune in to listen to the latest round of stupid questions about whether Boris is going to speak to his mum or whether he went to every Cobra meeting. or Because actually, they're people's opinion, they're people's spin on stuff, and they're yeah. not even qualified to hold those opinions. Who, who, who even looked at how many meetings Boris went to for Cobra before COVID started? Let's have some reality in, in the reporting. Did, did he always go to every meeting or did he not? Well, no, he didn't. Okay. So why does he need to now? As long as the right people are there having yeah. the right conversation with the right people at the right time in the right format, why does it need to be every single person? It doesn't. It's no, it doesn't. It news. But no. they seem to we want to keep banging on about it. So cool. Okay. So we've got a few questions that we need to um, talk through, but we don't need okay. to, but that I wanted to talk through um, and get yep. your thoughts on. Yep. Um, but I think we probably also need to get another date in a diary because this conversation is just brilliant and there's just so much that we could carry on talking about. Um, but to kind of leverage your experience, managing teams through uncertain times, what are the key sort of takeaways that you would give to the audience about what things that they might already be doing that they may well not be doing that they could do to make life easier for their team um, and also probably easier for them as well because managing teams is never easy. You know, it's fun. It's a privilege, a massive privilege. And I'll put it out, I haven't always got it right. I've been a shit boss. I've been a really shit boss at times, but I've also been a good boss at times. Um, I don't know that I would want to be managing a team of 20 direct reports right now. Right, okay. So first things first, nobody should be managing a team of 20 direct reports. It's too many. You can't do it well, full stop. Um, the average team size is, again, you know, all of this research is online. Yep. The average team size to manage directly shouldn't be, it should be around seven or eight max. Mm -hmm. um, and if you've only got one direct line report, that's as, just as difficult as having too many, to be honest, because the, yeah, the, the relationship boundaries aren't, aren't right. So first off, nobody should be managing more than about seven direct reports. 
that's one thing um managing teams in uncertainty see this is a whole thing around change again so i've got to go back before i can answer the question in reality right so um any any manager and this is going to sound um a bit odd in some respects but any manager who has allowed their team to become certain through not managing change effectively well constantly because things don't stay the same ever they are leaving their team to a magnitude of overwhelm when things change um and let me give you a prime example of this so if you think about what's going on and i'm I'm just this is just coming to me as i'm speaking this isn't planned if you think about what's going on now with everybody working from home and everybody being furloughed if the people that are well let's just go from the working at home because furlough is a different thing um if you just go with the people that are working from home so they're still working but they're now you know locked wherever they're locked in as such if those people have never been used to working in an open plan office or a hot desk in um office if they have been allowed to have their own desk um for decades with all their things plunked around them so they've got a real secure space around them they will be experiencing far more discomfort far more unease far more um, unrest than anybody who has been a flexible worker or a worker who um, shifts desks within a working environment because by allowing people and i just thought about that one by allowing people to be um, stationary, they're not changing, mm. if that makes sense. So for, those sense. Have, so for those of them that have been allowed to, um, for those of them that shift, that are flexible, they'll be far, they will be far easier to um, accept working from home. The other side to that is that we're when we when we work um as a team so whether that be in an office or on a site wherever yeah whatever that working environment is but you're working in a team you work with people because we're now working from home and for some of us it's it's easier to accept than others because you know for me quite often i work from home anyway when we're working from home you're isolated and and what managers and leaders need to remember is and and for them as well you know we're all in this together Mm -hmm. is that we're pack animals we are not there's a few loners don't get me wrong um but in the main we're pack animals we want to be connected and we want to be um involved and together with our team with our herd yeah so where we're now all working from home the job of the manager becomes even harder because the job of the manager, the leader, whatever you want to call them, whatever the title is, they have to be able to connect. Um, yeah, they have to be able to connect the people that are in isolation together. Yeah, that must be. I mean, there's lots of tech and stuff out there, but that must be. That's, you know, I mean, I've only got a limited number of staff. I've got a small team, but yeah, it's not easy to to actually to achieve i mean we've got outsourced accounts outsourced hr outsourced yeah um like quite a lot of functions are outsourced um and one of the one of the things that we were looking at doing um because we've kind of grown our team this year quite a lot was this year how we could actually get everybody together to um to meet one another face to face um yeah. we, we've not obviously not been able to do that yet so we've done it over zoom um, yeah. which which is quite interesting but it's not the same um, and your point about actually desking, that's, you know, that's really just triggered something in my brain because um, in the last recession, I ended up um, going back on the tools, which was really humbling and really good. Um, but I was working on site during the day um, and then I used to do Cat5 data cable. And when Cat5 data first came out, um, a lot of businesses were being wired for it. So I used to go and wire offices at night. Um, and right. the, guy, the guy that I worked for um, had a contractor, a uh, a big, big business in with a depot in Milton Keynes. Um, and their office was kind of like a square version of a polo mint. So on the outside, right. you could, if you sat on sat at a desk on the outside and looked at, you saw like 
Milton Keynes fields that they're all now built on. Um, but it also had like a central atrium and then it the ground floor, it had like a restaurant and then some meeting desks and stuff. Every six months, every three months, everybody's desk changed. <laughs> I kid you not. So for three months, you'd look out towards the fields and then for three, every three months, we would go in and I kid you not, this wasn't just like four or five blokes. This was an army of 60 plus people from Friday night until Sunday evening and move every single physical desk in the building apart from the suite on the top floor where the directors were. Every single person's workstation moved. And they didn't just move as a block, as a team, they moved individually. And that's why us data guys had to be there because we had to literally repatch every single phone. And it wasn't just repatching the whole department, everyone changed. And that, that, that was, I don't know, I mean, I, I was there punching cables into Cat5 strip to earn a wage. I wasn't thinking at high level, why are they doing this? <laughs> I wasn't at that place in my life at that time. Um, but so I'm kind of answering, I don't know the answer, but I suspect it's probably something to do with that kind of disruption and actually keeping people alive and keeping people reaching out to new people and keeping it alive and forming new relationships with people. Yeah, it, it could have been. And what's interesting in what you've just said is that everybody moved apart from the directors. Mm. I mean, talk about lead by example. I'm a massive fan of lead by example. And that was, and, and I never ever, and again, I never thought of that until I just, just talked about that. And, I've, and what a really poor message that it's yeah. right for you guys to do, but we're not yeah. giving up. Our, and I've had a corner yeah. suite, so I know what it's like. And, and, yeah. I can, and I can half understand why you wouldn't want to give it up because they're quite nice. Yeah. Um, but it's a really poor, it's a really poor piece of management. Actually. Yeah. It's good on one level and it's, it's almost ahead of their time in terms of thinking. Um, but by the, uh, the other time, it's actually not great because they're saying, well, it's all right for you to do it, but we don't need to do it. So, See, I, th I think, I mean, just coming back to sort of the original question, if you allow, and I'm not saying everybody's got to move all of the time, they haven't, of course they haven't. But if you allow people to become so certain about what they do, how they do it, where they do it, the time they do it, when this uncertainty arises, you know, like um, the, the, the change we're in now, I mean, it's extreme, yeah. but actually it creates so much uncertainty that people aren't, because they've been allowed to be so certain, mm. they don't know how to cope with the uncertainty. Yeah, it's almost like we need to teach them. I mean, I was talking to my wife about this the other day, and we, one of the things we were saying was we need to make sure that, that our children know how to cope in this kind of environment so that in yeah. 70 or 100 years time they can say well this is what mum and dad did that's yeah. how we'll, that's how we need to behave it's a skill set that we need to actually teach people is how yes. to cope in uncertain times because yeah. you know i mean there was a plague 100 years ago we've got covid19 now there is there is an argument that this does happen with with a fair degree of certainty yeah. On a it's like fashion. It's like skateboards. You know, they were fashionable twenty years ago, and they're back in fashion. Flares yeah. were fashionable when they came. It's the same. It's it's cyclical. It's just, I can't think of words now. Cyclical. It's just yeah. uh, over what duration that cycle runs. So it's yeah. going to happen again. We need to be teaching that as a skill set to people. And I think yeah. you're, what you've said is quite quite valuable. Actually, don't maybe let people get so complacent that that having any form of change is so alien to them that it just blows their mind because you can buy them how many copies of who moved my cheese is one but if they're that that set in their ways and they don't understand change yeah then it's going to be such a massive learning curve that people are yeah. going to fall off that curve yeah do you know i mean you've just used a word and i thought about this this i didn't think about the word but the word you've used which is complacent um i don't know why it came to me this morning i remember I was working with a chief exec. This is a few years ago. I was working with a chief exec and one of her, oh, I know what it can't, I know where it come from. I read a, an article in the Chartered um, Management Institute's publication this morning. And it said that the Bank of England have created some stats that said a 0.1% increase in management productivity creates a 10% increase on the bottom line. Well. Uh, I know, and it's scary. Now, I don't know where they get those mm. figures from, so I, you know, I can't mm. say that's yeah. however. Mm. But it brought a story back to me where I was um, working with a chief exec 
and um, about and it was about her letting go and delegating. <laughs> I bet also, that's a common. Yeah, it was it was interesting, um, but also about her being um, honest and truthful with her directors. So I coached her through having a conversation with one of her directors, and he admitted to her that he was operating at fifty percent of his capacity. As a director in the business, taking a really nice wage. Mm. So when the Bank of England says a 0.1% improvement with management puts 10% on the bottom line, I actually think if everybody did a 0.1%, it would probably put more than 10% on the bottom line, to be honest. Yeah. And it's all to do with you know, having those conversations that some, some people find difficult, um, but uh, uh, they're all possible, they're all feasible. And it's about creating the processes and the, the management leadership systems that allow that to happen within business. And when people become complacent, that is so, I, I'm going to say people shouldn't be allowed to be complacent. Uh, complacent. I've spoken to people who are in their mid, mid late-ish 50s who have told me they're coasting to retirement. You know, now retirement in the UK, if, if there's international listeners, you know, clearly it's different, but in the UK, used to be 60 for women and 65 for men. I mean, I'm in the bracket now that if I was employed, my retirement age would be 67. You can't allow anybody to coast to retirement. You're paying them away. Years. Yeah, exactly. It's just like madness. That's mm, just... It's... I think that, you know, I think we've got a few challenges in the UK in UK employment right now, but that is clearly one that if you've got people that are, you know, behaving, I mean, and I'm not talking about people having like an odd day, but general yeah. complacency, you know, yeah. I can, I can firmly believe those statistics, you know, that's, you know, you see it all the time with people that are, I mean, I used to, when I used to be ops manager at another business, there was people and you'd say to them, oh, can you just fit in that extra, oh no, I can't do that extra job, I'll, I'll be on this job. Well, hold on a minute. And it's almost like people sort of approach it as to what they can get out of it rather than what value they can add to the business. Yeah, exactly. And it seems to be disproportionately weighted in favour of the people that want to get more out of it for themselves than want to actually add add as a, a valuable contribution yeah. to create some value. Yeah. And I think that needs changing, massively changing. Where we start in terms of trying to change it, I don't have the skill set to be able to <laughs> to be able to even I talk do. about it, but I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. I, I think do. I would say it's got to come from the top. Yeah, it has to. See, I think there's a, like a pincer action because I've worked with the top and I've worked with the bottom and any and any level in between. So you can you can bring it up from the top. You can bring mm. it up from. Uh, sorry, you can bring it up from the bottom. You can because the weight of numbers is at the bottom. Yeah. But what? But what happens? And there's a but in that. Those numbers have to believe they're going to be listened to, um, and that a difference will be made. So they'll go up the hierarchy, but it will get blocked somewhere yeah. unless the top is coming down. Mm. So you can pincer movement it, the the whole process. If the top buys it and the bottom buys it, anywhere in between. Yeah, really, is left with no choice. Both have to believe it. But yeah. Anywhere in between, mm. um, it sort of gets squeezed out. Yeah, it's like squeezing out a pus of a spot, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that it, is. It is it, it, what does pus, you know? What does pus do? It's not good for you, is it? Well, actually, behaving Poison. in that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> behaving in that way is not good for people's business. It's I can't not. remember where I heard it, but there was a phrase about some businesses have always got, uh, once you get to a certain size, have always got kind of like anarchists and terrorists. And actually, what does anarchy and ter- terrorism look like in a business? Well, arguably, it probably looks like those kind of, that kind of complacency and that kind of lackadaisical bit of laissez-faire attitude almost that actually is killing people's bottom line. And if you can get rid of that, there's a massive injection into people's businesses. Maybe that they could spend on some coaching. Who knows? <laughs> but it does you know, happen. In, do you know what? It's interesting, though. I mean, I'm just picking up on what you're saying about getting rid of it. Most of those people, if you paid them a little bit of attention, would willingly do what you was asking them to do. Yeah. And they do it wrong. Mm. Do you know 
just a little bit of attention. And I can tell you a really quick story about that. Many years ago, I used to run um, a graduate training scheme. So I'd recruit the trainees in, um, work with them for a year, get them into a position in the company, um, and then semi-mentor them throughout right. their career while they were in. And sometimes I'd tell them to leave and then I'd bring them back in at a later point, you know, because, you know, external um, learning and, and different views on how businesses run is really, really valuable, hugely valuable. Yeah. But when I took that um, training program over, somebody left, I, I walked into the, I say I walked into, I got the position. That's another story. Um, we used to send them to a local college to get a professional qualification and it cost a lot of money. And when I took the program over, I looked at the stats and 3% of the trainees that went through the program at that point achieved the qualification, which cost thousands of pounds. 3%? And a lot. Yeah, 3%. Wow. Cost thousands of pounds and it cost a time out of the business because yeah. it was a residential um, qualification. Um, so I took the program over and I thought, that's ridiculous. So... The end of my first year, I got a hundred percent success rate, and I continued to get a hundred percent success rate the whole way through the program as I managed it. And you know, all I did, and it's a big change, but all I did was pay attention. I would ask them questions about what they had. So, going into the um, residential, I would say, "What's this week about?" Um, you know what's the subject matter uh, what do you want to get out of it mm. those sorts of questions yeah. at the at, after the program I would say how was the week how did you get on you know uh, what yeah. happened etc etc mm. what did you learn and then on a Friday um, I discovered because nobody knew how it worked I discovered that they used to do a presentation to the college tutors so on a Friday afternoon, I would go over to the college and sit in on the presentation. Oh, wow. Now, that's not much to do to get 100% return. It's not. When you think about the, the, the results you got out of the back yeah. of that, actually. Yeah. yeah. But I guess what it shows is that you're invested in their, in their learning and, actually yeah. that you, and that you care. Yeah. And that you're there to help them and support them and that you're interested in what they're doing. Yeah. And it was for their benefit. Mm. You know, so all of those trainees had an additional qual business qualification on top of their degree yeah because it was a degree graduate program but that's really valuable isn't it because yeah. when when employers yeah. are looking at employing staff a degree is great yeah. but actually what does a degree really tell you and this will give you a bit of an idea about my, my mindset but i'm kind of of the opinion that a degree is great but all it really tells you is that you've committed to something long enough to get to the end of it which is yes. so it sh does show some commitment and it yeah. shows that you've learned something and you've retained that knowledge. Beyond that, what does it really show? It doesn't say much. Can I show you stuff? I know, I know we're doing a live Zoom, right. obviously. Um, yeah, that's right. Um, I've got a book here that's called Core Personnel and Development. And um, so I studied and took some qualifications in CIPD, Chartered Institute of Personal Development. This was many years ago. And this book is a textbook of 486 pages. Um, and I, you can probably see, but I've cut the corners off the pages. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I don't know whether I should share this or not, but I've started, so I will. We can <laughs> so always edit it out. I know. So I had to sit an exam on this book, on the con okay. sorry, the content of the book yeah, yeah. and relate it to the business that I was in at the time. Mm. So 486 book page book. It's about it's the point size is about ten. And it's, what is it, an A5, no, bigger than A5 book. I learned this book in two weeks. Somebody told me that if you study a book for two weeks and you do your mind maps from it um, and you, whatever, and various other things, but mm -hmm. if you study the book for two weeks and you do your mind maps on it and you spend two weeks on it, you'll pass the exam. So I thought, oh, that sounds all right. <laughs> so I took the two weeks off from work before the exam and I learnt the book and I wow. passed. There you go. <laughs> now whether I should have admitted that, I'm not sure. But you know what? That's what I did. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Now I've still got this book. Have I done anything with it since? Nah. Probably not. 
Yeah, but you know, the, there's some of the knowledge you still yeah, in there. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure it is. Yeah, I'm sure you could recall it if you needed to. Yeah, but mm. it, you know, it's the practical application. So I, I don't. I'd, some some industries, some businesses, some disciplines, a degree really does help, and for a lot, it doesn't. When I was doing that um, recruitment, uh, uh, the the trainee scheme. This was a long time ago, by the way. I recruited, I didn't recruit, I interviewed a woman, she had a first, and it was in retail at the time, she had a first in chemical engineering, and she was wanting to get a year-long training scheme in retail. She had a first in chemical engineering. Wow. I just said to her, why do you want to work in retail? She said, I don't know what I want to do. Mm. I, I, I didn't recruit yeah. her. No, I'm not surprised. Her. But that's kind of retail and construction kind of have that similarity in well, in two ways. One, that they're always the first to go into recession. But secondly, <laughs> they're always seen by people in careers advice. Well, if you don't know what you don't want to do, just go and do that. Yeah. And actually, that does a massive disservice to both of those really, really valuable industries. Yeah. You know, everybody needs retail, whether they like it or not. Yeah, absolutely. And, and everybody needs construction. It's 10% of GDP. And yet, yeah. people just careers advisors just seem to tell kids these days, well, yeah, just yeah, don't you don't want to do that? It's all dirty and muddy, and yeah, really, no, it's not. It doesn't have well, to be. Do you remember? Do you remember the um, the headmistress I told you about who dismissed my idea of being a an air hostess? I do. I'll um, never. I will never forget that story. <laughs> <laughs> um, when when um, when I was at school, so I went to a grammar school. I passed my eleven plus in the day. Well, I, yeah, I did my 11 class. Um, I, I didn't come out with any qualifications. That's another story as well. But um, when I was choosing my GCSEs, I think, I wanted to learn typing. And she wouldn't let me learn typing because she told me I, was, I, was, I had better things in my future. And she put me into what was at that point called a commerce class which was business studies business studies yeah yeah so i came out of commerce knowing how to write a check <laughs> whereas if you really think about it what skill would be better had i been better learning yeah. now with everything being technical yep. typing yeah of course i tell you it was so so short-sighted rather mm. than long-sighted yeah but it, and it, i have no idea what she wanted me to do because she ended up telling me to become a nurse and I thought, well, if I couldn't be an air hostess because I'd be clearing up other people's sick, yeah. where I would have had to have had five languages, yeah. ended up telling me to become a nurse. I didn't do that, by the way. <laughs> well. Because I still would have been at the time, you know, working with bodily functions yeah. as such. Yeah. You know, and, and that's not me dissing anybody that's in the NHS at all, because I think they're doing a, a fabulous job. They certainly um, are. But that was my career advice. And that was at a grammar school. Mm. Yeah, it's it's it, i think it was sadly lacking i think it still is sadly lacking um, yeah i don't i don't know what goes on today <laughs> i've no, no idea it's scary it really is it's just shocking to be honest but <laughs> that's probably a whole different subject so <laughs> so moving on then so yes. a lot of our listeners are either self-employed or business owners what three yeah. tips could you give or would you give for business owners right now what things should they be focusing on do you think I would, blimey, it's, it's so, okay, one of, one of the key things, if you're self-employed or business owner and you've got a team and they're working from home and, and if they're furloughed as well, I would definitely be saying you would be working on um, how you're communicating with your team to keep them in the best mental health condition and, and state that they can be in. Um, just because you can't see them doesn't mean to say that they're not, um, they don't need you they do they need you more because when you're distance managing remote managing is harder so that's one thing communicate well I think another tip I would be um, giving is for people business owners and staff to be looking at how they can personally develop whatever the skill set is that may be required while they've got I'm going to say time um, and perhaps look at this is going to sound a bit odd but it's not odd and it's the reason we're doing this call and you know it's going on to the podcast 
is to look at the opportunities that you've got while we're in this current situation on how you can um, market, expand, tweak, change the business that you're currently in so that when we come out of this lockdown, we're in the best position to um, take the opportunities that are going to be there, whatever our business is. So I'm doing a lot more. So I'm a, a coach, a trainer, a mentor within business and the softer skills in, in business. Now, um, the first thing that goes down the pan within any problem is a training budget within a business. So my coaching thing has just like disappeared. But what am I doing now? I'm giving out <clears throat> more information to help people. So I'm sharing what I know online, on podcasts, taking the opportunity like you and I, you know, having this conversation and the conversation we had yeah. before we actually started to record the podcast um, to get to know people, to look at how do, how can those relationships coming out of this potentially create something or not, or just getting to know people. Yeah. Um, I think a well for business owners, I would seriously look at what's available from the government um, and then make a conscious decision about whether that will serve you or not. Um, because I don't think everything that's on offer long term will create the great result that we potentially think it will create now. Yeah. And one of the things I'm talking about there is about the um, mortgage break that's on offer and the loans that are on offer. Now, that mortgage break as much as people have said it won't affect your credit rating, I'm not sure that's true. No, I'm not sure it was true either. No. And as a, as a property investor, depending on what your business is, but as a property investor, if you have immediately gone to take a mortgage break on your rental properties, longer term, what might that, what might that do for your borrowing potential? Because if you can't run your property business for one month, without taking a mortgage break i'd suggest there's something not quite right there yeah so i think i think for business owners here's a tip a big tip do not automatically go with the flow of what the majority of people will do i think there's a a big um adage in this thing of look at what the masses do and do the opposite oh nightingale yeah I think that's huge. Mm. So I know a load of people in property who are accessing the um, the mortgage breaks. Mm. And I'm thinking, I don't think that's, I'm not sure I, that's going to serve. I can't see that's going to serve you in, this, in even in the medium term. Because I, I do think, I think two things. I think one, it's going to absolutely hammer people's credit rating. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, it's also got, you're just kicking the can down the road. It's still got to be paid back. So, yeah, exactly. So I think my my advice to people on top of what you said would be to, to use this opportunity to actually look at what do you spend money on? What do you yeah. physically, physically really need to spend money on? How robust is your business? What have yeah. you, what insurance have you got in place? You know, there's some, there's some big lessons here to learn. How many, I mean, most people had no insurance for this event. I didn't certainly. And I, we had business continuity insurance and it's excluded. Yes. Wimbledon, a pandemic insurance and have just netted 110 million pound payout because they had pandemic cover because wow. they learned they learned from the SARS um, outbreak and the oh. losses that they suffered there and they actually spent uh, it reportedly it cost them one and a half million pounds a year but their payout this year is 110 million so That's I would say it. look at what people what you're spending money on yeah. And also look at what your real, real risks are. How strong <laughs> is your business continuity plan? And what, what can you do to de-risk that plan? Yeah. Do you know, the other thing I would, um, again, a, 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 it's, I don't know whether it's a tip or just good business practice, but look at all your processes, look at all your systems, get them, you know, you've now got the opportunity to get them up to date, um, organised, get your accounts done while we've got, you know, while we've got time. Um, because one of the things I've thought about, I'm busy. I was busy. I was busy before the, you know, we've been locked down. But through this whole process, I'm thinking, what was I actually busy doing? I, I don't know. But I was busy. Yeah. Now I'm repurposing my busy now. 
because I had a, a couple of weeks where I'm like, I don't know what to do next yeah. <laughs> type thing. I think everybody, if they're really honest, yeah, like, had look, that kind of like, wow, hold on a minute. And that was that top of that. Yes. Hold on a minute. Yes. This is, it's, like, it's, like, it's like the grief process, isn't it? It's that very first, yes. what do I do now kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, think, I think it's a really good opportunity to look at what you were doing um, and did it serve, analyse, reflect, draw some conclusions, go around the learning cycle um, and think about what do I want to do when we when we come out of this? How do I want to run my business when we come out of this? For those of us that are going to have a business when we come out of this, because, you know, some businesses are going to some businesses have disappeared overnight. Um, some businesses may come back, some businesses may not. And I'm not being doom and gloom. It's just taking the opportunity to, yeah, it's the reality check. Mm. Take the opportunity to think, okay, what can I do? There are loads of free trainings available. I've never oh. seen so much free. It's absolutely, and it's it, this, fabulous. this isn't crap, low value, low budget no. stuff. This is some really high, high ticket stuff that, you know, yeah. previously would have cost a lot of money. Yeah. That actually is either free or, or at a much, much reduced price point. Yeah. I think there's, there is, there are lots of opportunity. And again, a tip, be careful what opportunities you take, yeah. because I recognize that my diary was being, because there's so many opportunities and I'm an opportunist. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, oh, I'll get on that. I'll learn. Mm. And I'm thinking, no, stop it. Because I'm filling my diary up with other people's agendas. Yeah. So what's my agenda and why am I doing it? Um, and, and there is so much. I mean, there's some fabulous stuff out there that people can access. Um, I got invited into, um, uh, she's a, a, a book coach and publisher, and she's put a free program online and she's running it herself. You know, it's, it's not face to face clearly, but it's, she's doing Zoom meetings. So I'm taking the opportunity to write another book. Oh, wow. Can you share and that with me? Because I want to start writing my book, so that'd be cool. Well, it's not costing me anything yeah. and she's great. You know, I'm, getting, exactly. I'm getting phone calls with her yeah. because Why she's not? clearly not you know, doing what she mm. normally does. Yeah. But you'll so remember really... that. Yeah. So, so exactly. when you come to write your next one, yes, she'll still be there. It's just what it's about. Yeah, it is. So look at the opportunities. And I think um, for a lot of business people, look at what you can give, you know, look at how you can help others. I mean, I know you said right at the beginning that, um, you've been helping a lot. You've got to protect your own energy space and you've got to protect your own mental health. You know, we've all got it. Yeah. Um, but look at how we can help others. However, we do that. You know, I'm yeah, doing a just... lot of phone. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of phone calls as well. I'm looking after an L. I say looking after. I'm um, finding tinned spinach and tinned grapefruit for a 94-year-old ex-neighbour. <laughs> That's yeah. a mission. <laughs> yeah, which uh, we've got the same thing. I mean, we've got so we've signed up for the NHS Good Sam thing. So me, my wife, oh, and my okay. contracts manager have all signed up for it, um, but to do calls and stuff. Um, and Gemma's making dinners for the old guy who lives over the road because he's yeah. ninety-two, I think. And I've been and cut his lawn and yeah. So yeah, just trying to help people out where, where you know where you can use a bit of your energy to give someone yes. a really positive outcome. Yeah, you know, it doesn't cost anything, but actually, no. someone else is left feeling really good. Yeah, so. there's a lot of with all this isolation that's going on, and you know, and I know we're talking about businesses as well, but people are at home. You don't know who they're at home with, bit mm. like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. You don't know who they're at home with. You don't know what their personal circumstances are. If they're in, you know, if they're sharing accommodation, you don't know who they're sharing with. Mm. This connection. We have to be more deliberate in creating the connection yes. than we ever have been before because isolation um, is not good. No. It's really not good. Connection is what we're here for, really, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it is. Yeah. It's one of the, I mean, I, I love the masterminds. That, I mean, that, yeah. I'm in one with you, I'm in a few others. And, but I mean, that. I mean, I, and I had to fill a form in for the one that we were in with Rob. And one of the things was, what do you want out of it? And I actually put that. I actually put networking and connection because yes. you know I want to meet like-minded people that are on yeah. the same on not just on the same train but in the same carriage and going in the same direction to share ideas and and get yeah. to know form form connection with. So yeah, I, I, I absolutely it's, agree. It's one hugely of my important. Things. So brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank you ever so much for your time. I know it's extremely valuable, and we've taken up rather a lot of it this morning. <laughs> but I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for listening to the On The Block podcast 
We hope you enjoyed the show. To find out more about the work that Richard does, please visit his website, www.stonecontracts.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy his show. Thanks for listening and see you soon on the blog.